to the PFF NFL Daily. Today, breaking down PFF's critical factors. It's the most important numbers when projecting players to the NFL, and we will break them down here. It's all brought to you by DraftKings. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if the basketball team of your choosing hits a three. That's code PFF to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, Sam, I wrote an article. It's over at PFF.com called PFF Critical Factors, the most important numbers for the 2021 NFL draft class. Go check it out because it's really a culmination of a lot of our research and what we know about projecting players both in the NFL and to the NFL. We won't go through all of them, but each position group essentially has certain numbers that remain stable, other numbers that tend to fluctuate year to year. You hear us talk about this on the main PFF NFL podcast all the time. So it's our stable numbers, our unstable numbers. The point is you want to look at the stable stuff. That's the stuff that projects best at the NFL level. So based off uh, my article, Sam, what, which ones stood out to you? I do. I like this, Steve. You, you wrote an article. It was worth a read and people should go read it. Google PFF critical factors <clears throat> and you'll find the article. Um, I, I really like this as a concept because everybody knows, you know, you, you dive into the tape and you can find things you like and things you don't like. But this is an attempt to quantify from a data point of view, <clears throat> which of those things actually predicts whether a guy is going to be successful, trying to make sense out of the the noise and, and find signal in the noise of all this draft chaos. Um, and there's a couple of positions that I, I'm really interested by. The first one is the quarterbacks, obviously the most important, the, the, where all the, the, the biggest decisions are made. And, you know, you have a, a bunch of um, stable metrics, whether it's great from a clean pocket on, on standard dropbacks with no play action. Um, but also, the percentage of negatively graded throws. So I think a lot of people get caught up in the highlights and the can-do and the special and the high-end, but actually what's more stable and predictive year-to-year is just how often does a guy make mistakes. Um, And what's, I think, most fascinating amongst the group is that Mac Jones is, like, in the 90th percentile or better in everything. Um, So this idea of, hey, Dad Bod Jones might not be a special athlete or have a cannon for an arm or have all the special things, but data-wise, he's pretty special. Yeah, the data is really good for Mac Jones. Uh, it's really good for a lot of guys in the pro- in, in all those top prospects, though, to be honest. You have Trevor Lawrence, who's above average in, in every stable metric. You have Zach Wilson, who's 75th percentile or better uh, in almost every stable metric. And then you have Justin Fields, who is elite and a whole bunch of the stable metrics except those negatively graded throws he's at only 61st percentile and that's when comparing to recent nfl prospects guys that have played in the nfl but like when they were playing in college so that's like the one number that is most stable out of all the numbers um, negatively graded throws so uh, it is a number for fields that uh, is concerning you know compared to his peers whereas jones maybe doesn't have the traits of some of these other guys but he just got the job done so it is a fascinating breakdown and just you know, further clouding a lot of the evaluations. Uh, one that stood out to me because I wrote it um, mm. 
I always like to look at sacks for offensive linemen and say, okay, that's that's the overrated number. And sorry to the PFF social media team. It's a great way to get tweets out there and say, so-and-so's never given up a sack. And everybody retweets it and you get great traction. Um, and in this class, it's Alabama guard Deontay Brown. Did not allow a sack in 700 pass blocking attempts over the last two years. But it actually means nothing in his evaluation <laughs> because his pass blocking grade is in the 11th percentile when ranking against recent NFL caliber prospects. And that is because we grade. Yeah, it's not good, right? I mean, so we grade how well you made the block. So what happens is you missed a block and then whether or not the defensive player got the sack or not is dependent on Mac Jones. Did he have a quick release? Did he get the ball rid of the ball? Um, So the grade's the same, whether it's a sack or not. And so it's not really a good stat for evaluating offensive linemen. That, that's what I love about some of these critical factors is that they're things that when you think about them a little bit, they make perfect sense. It's just very easy to not even think about that. You're like, oh, the sacks that an offensive lineman give up, of course those are important. But the point is, as you said, once he loses, like once he's lost the block, whether it's a sack hit or hurry or nothing at all because the ball's gone before the quarterback even feels it is completely independent of what the offensive lineman did. That dude is chasing the play from behind, having, you know, screwed up, and is just desperately hoping that it's as not bad as it could possibly get. Like, And, and so you, you look at that number, and sometimes it's a great reflection. It's exactly what happened. The guy gave up five sacks, and it shows he was bad. But sometimes he's got a great quarterback, or, you know, other things happened. People covered for him. Whatever it is but it doesn't reflect the fact that that guy was getting beat like a drum and just didn't give up any sacks. Um, So, yeah, I I like those numbers because they actually do reflect reality when you start to dive in and and sort of strip away the way that they're warped a little bit. Um, Another position that I really like the critical factors for is cornerbacks because I think this is a really good year for cornerbacks. I think there's a lot of talent and there's a lot of debate about those top guys. Do you like Patrick Sertan? Two, uh, do you like uh, J.C. Horn, who a lot of people think is the best corner? I'm less high on. Do you like Caleb Farley, who you know has the injury concerns, but outside of that was phenomenal his last season of play? And that's the one that I want to sort of focus in on because I don't know if we're giving fair credit for just how special a talent this guy is if you're comfortable with his medical history. So Farley had that incredible season, and that ranks first in coverage grade, coverage grade when targeted in single coverage, and coverage grade when lined up as an outside cornerback. Um, he, in addition to that, you, you know, you turn on the tape and you see those special traits, but like Farley's statistical output matches the freaky special athleticism that you see on tape. Yeah, and then the guy on the other side is J.C. Horn, who you mentioned, and notably you're a little bit lower on J.C. Horn than others, but his coverage grade in 19 and 20, the last two seasons, only 23rd percentile uh, when compared to recent NFL prospects and only 32nd when targeted in single coverage. So just closer to the middle of the pack for J.C. Horn or below average in a key number, um, though, I want to stay at corner slash safety because one of my favorite prospects in the draft is Elijah Molden from Washington. He didn't have the greatest workout because he didn't do the agility drills, but when you watch him play, very agile. Like he should have had great agility drills if he did run them. I, I don't know why he didn't. But Molden <laughs> has the uh, number three slot coverage grade since we've started doing this as far as, far as guys that have gone on to the NFL. And slot coverage grade 
is consistent if you play a guy in the slot. That's what the one of the levels of stability when it comes to predicting coverage is just playing a guy in the same role. So I think a team's going to get an absolute steal in Elijah Molden and a guy that's, that can play the slot at the next level, has some safety skills, hasn't done it a ton, but also has one of the highest run defense grades among recent NFL prospects. So he just has that all-around slot hybrid safety type of feel and i think he's a tyron matthew mike hilton type of player that's going to make an impact and maybe go a little bit under the radar here in this draft yeah it's a good one um I, the horn thing is interesting i'm glad I, I teed it up so that you could criticize him rather than me i've already done too much of that and i didn't do enough of it i sent it back to you come on give us I the know, horn yeah. stuff he, well it's no i'm actually going to defend him a little bit sort of um you know you said that over the last couple of years his, his coverage grade is in the 20 what is it 23rd Yes, percentile. Um, but I think critically a part of his evaluation is that last year was a lot better than the year before. And part of the narrative is that he did learn and develop and get an awful lot better um, from one year to the next. And those numbers are definitely a lot better last year, but they're still not quite as good as you would think they would be for a guy who's supposed to be the best cornerback in the draft. You know, his coverage grade overall is it jumps up but it's not you know it's not the nine it's not the 90th percentile it's not the the best in the class like um caleb farley's is all right i'm gonna wrap it up with one of your favorites Devonte smith this yes. one surprised me okay <clears throat> so we've had 144 wide receivers qualify and by qualify again i'm gonna preface this by saying that means we have college data and nfl data so this is guys we have their college data and they've played in the nfl so 144 guys have done that uh, in our database. And I was surprised to see Devonte Smith rank seventh in yards after the catch per reception at 9.1. Now I know he gets fed a lot of bubble screens and that's going to help. And, it, but, but when you describe his skill set, you usually start with the route running, usually start with the ball skills, but when he has gotten the ball in his hands, I think he's one of those guys where he's not, he's not shifty necessarily, but he's just he's he's fast. He's football fast and he he breaks angles and he knows how to create after the catch. I was again, I was just surprised to see him seventh out of 144 qualifiers historically. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. This is why he's such a special prospect, because he's good at everything. Like there aren't flaws other than the fact that he weighs 170 pounds. But data wise, tape wise, he's good everywhere. So there you go. It's PFF critical factors, the stable and unstable metrics of the draft class, all powered by PFF IQ. Go check it out, pff.com, and uh, let us know what it was your favorite metric that I put in the article. It's a PFF NFL Daily. Daily.